Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Happy Cherish Eve, everybody. You know, we, uh, in case you're new or you didn't hear, uh, our women's conference starts tomorrow morning. And so because uh, the mothership is in San Diego, if you're looking around, you're like, man, it seems like there's a few empty seats. Well, about half our church is on their way to San Diego right now to be at Cherish or sitting at our San Marcos campus. And but let me tell you something. It's too easy, especially when you're in ministry, to be consumed with, well, how many people are in the building instead of how healthy are the people that are in the building. The job of the church is to make disciples, to develop people. One of the biggest tragedies that Big C Church, sometimes we can accidentally slip into, don't get me wrong, salvation, people getting saved, it is critical, it is so important. But people will come into church and they'll be brand new and they won't know Jesus and what they'll hear is, Jesus is all about you, he loves you, he's for you, it's about you, this gospel's for you. And you go, really? That's amazing. And then you raise your hand and you say, I want Jesus. And then you come back next week and they're like, it's not about you, it's about the lost. Oh, come on, somebody, you know that happens. And what I'm trying to tell you, of course the lost, but you think that one week, one week God's like, you were everything to me. And then one week later, because you prayed a prayer that it stops, Jesus just stops being about you. Romans 5 says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But how much more now that we love him and know him, is he for us? Christian, what I want to tell you is Jesus never changed the subject about you. Yes, he wants you to go and reach the lost and reach people that don't know him. But he never changes the subject that he loves you, that he has a church for you to develop you the gifts and talents and treasures that he put in you and we do an injustice we do an injustice in fact it's very very uh prideful prideful let the drums catch up to my pace here jesus does the saving not us of course, we bring our friends to church. We bring people that need Jesus because he's good, but Jesus does the saving. You know what he said our job is? Is to be disciples so we can disciple people. Our job is actually, our primary job is to get people healthy and whole and full of the Holy Spirit so they're activated. And you watch, if we're faithful with that, if you're faithful, so if you're new to church, if this is like, you know, you're six months or less that you've even been doing this church thing, what I want for you is just to hear that it's not not about you, that we're here to see God and help you partner with God for God to pull your purpose and your destiny out of your life, to pull you out of dysfunction into function, to pull you out of brokenness into wholeness. And church, that never changes. We're always on this cycle of God is developing us, 
while we're giving what God has given us breakthrough in to other people. Amen? Amen. Amen. Come on. Real quick. So why do I say that? I don't care if there's 300 people in here. I don't care if there's 100 people in here. You're going to get a fresh word. In fact, I'll be honest, those who aren't here, they're missing out. This word, something on it. But I also feel like God just wants to speak to some individual people uh, first. Uh, Ornelia's, I love you guys. You guys are two of my favorite people, but Heidi has a book of miracles. I just felt very strongly, and I want to affirm this, that God is looking after your family. He's looking after your family. And, and those in your family that you feel are lost or far from God, he's actually incredibly active in their life. And what I felt him say is do not, the ones that you're worried about, you're like, God, I don't even know if they're a believer. Don't, he is pursuing them. He hears your, he hears your prayers. And I saw him put a hedge of protection, especially over your siblings. I feel like you pray a lot for your siblings. And he says, I hear your prayers and I've actually put a protection hedge over them and I'm about I'm about to move in their world you're going to laugh at the goodness of God because one day you're going to see your entire family in church and it's going to blow your mind so God I thank you for Heidi I thank you that she has a huge heart for her people if you're in Heidi's circle you are in the circle and God I thank you that that circle is expanding and I thank you that everyone in her circle you have a, you are sending angels on assignment to keep them to rescue them and to reveal your goodness in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Um, where are Noah, Onda, and uh, what? Who'd you say? Tyson? He's upstairs. Caden. Caden. That's who I was thinking. Sorry, I, I got Caden. I didn't forget your name. I just, I was like, wait, wait, did I forget something? Where are those three? I see, I see two. There you go. Okay. Come up here. Come up here. I want to pray for you three. Just stand right here. Line up like you're, like you just raised your hand, okay? Okay. So I've had this on my heart for a couple weeks. I grew up watching Deion Sanders, okay? Love him or hate him, he's a, he's a winner. Guy knows how to win. And uh, one of the things, I'm just looking at all his stuff, but one of the things he did when he got to Colorado University is first he basically told every single one of them, you don't have a place on this team. And the ones that just put their name in for the hat to see if they could get traded, he cut immediately because he wanted to see if words would scare him off. But then after that, he's done a lot of things, but one of my favorite things is he doesn't have captains on his team. He has leaders and dogs. He calls them dogs, they have a D on their thing. And I mean this with like the most sincere thing, but when I see you three, you boys are my dogs. Okay, and here's what I mean by that. No, no, no. No, no, no. Here's what Dion says. The leader, you guys are going to be leaders too, and you are leaders, but you're gonna, there'll be more leadership. But the dogs are the ones that when the mission is on, he knows we'll get it done. The word for them is zeal. And there's a, there's a scripture. I love this scripture. It's John 2 when Jesus goes, just flips the temple upside down, starts making a whip and whipping people out of there. You know, everybody thinks like Jesus is just, they have the picture of him petting a little lamb, but like making a whip and whipping people is an option too. He did it. Okay. And so, but when I, and, it, and the disciples were like, this is not the Jesus that we're used to. And it says that they remembered in Psalms 69, I believe is zeal will consume him for his house. And what I see on you three, when you're up here in worship, is you have zeal. 
You have passion for God's house, but God sees that. And he will take passion over pedigrees any day. So what I wanna tell you is do not let the world tell you, you know, oh, you need a better pedigree for ministry. What he takes is passion. And if I had team captains, I'll be putting D's on your guys' shoulders saying, these are my dogs. These are the ones that go after God and they're pursuing God. And I promise you, those are the ones that are the leaders. And so what I wanna pray over you, each, each of you three have a specific ministry call. God's getting ready to turn this city upside down. It's gonna be something we won't know we're in it because you don't know you're in a revival when you're in a revival. But people are gonna look back and say, what happened in Salt Lake City? And you three, the zeal you carry, I'm telling you there's leadership on you three. So I wanna lay my hands on all three of you and just declare that God has zeal will consume them for his house. God has called you to the house of God to grow people, to rescue people, to, to pursue the lost, to pursue the people that don't know Jesus. You two are marked for God's call and God is gonna use you in mighty ways. Never apologize for your passion. In fact, let it shine. The thing that confuses people in this world is what they read in the Bible and then they see Christians' passion and they go, there doesn't line up. If what that Jesus said is true, the passion should be there. And so God looks for passionate people, those who say yes, no matter what the cost. So God, I thank you for Noah. I thank you for the call of God in his life. I thank you that he's marked to dominate the marketplace and ministry and worship. You, are a tri you have a trifecta, man. You're gonna make a big impact. Keep pursuing God. Keep letting him develop you. Never be afraid to give things to him that he asked for. Anything he asks you to lay down is because he wants to give you a hundredfold. Mark 16, I thank you for Onda, Lord. I thank you that there's a preaching gift on this young man. I thank you that he's called to share the word of God. I thank you that you're, gonna, you're developing him right now with young people and you have a call on his life for this city, for this church, for this place. I thank you that leadership is on him, Lord. And I thank you that there's a strength in you, Onda. There's a strength in you. The devil tries, tries to get you exhausted, but you're like the Hulk, man. You got this reverse. The more he comes at you, the stronger you get. So you don't have to worry. In fact, I'm hoping he learns his lesson. He leaves you alone because you get stronger every time he comes. I thank you for Onda, Lord. I thank you for his, the power, Lord. I thank you for the power. Lord, I thank you for Caden. Lord, I thank you that he's marked. Caden, I see you operating. All you guys can take this, but Caden, I see you operating in the gifts more powerfully, Lord. I, I, see, I see you operating in the prophetic words of knowledge, seeing healings on people that God is gonna mark you. They'll know it's not a matter of words, but of power of power and keep pursuing God. I see you praying and asking God in your quiet times alone, saying, God, I wanna see the power move through me. I've, I see you doing that. And he says, I hear you, keep pressing in, ask and you will receive, knock and the door will be open. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on. <laughs> Just do that from now on, okay? Come on, I love it. Signs of a healthy church, young people up front. You know, actually the real sign of a healthy church is a generational church. I also just wanna pray right now. I just feel specifically God's been showing me that we have beautiful people in our church that have so much wisdom to give. So I'm not gonna call you out, but if you feel in that category of lived enough years to have had wisdom. That doesn't mean you always made the wise choice, but you've had life experience. Whether you made the right choice or the wrong choice, you know which is which. And right now, I just want to pray. God said the way God intended things to do is that you have the, the young that are the, 
like the oxen of the sheep. They're, They're ready. They can plow. They can go. And we all put our hand to the plow. But God does expect, for those of you who have been Christians in this room, maybe not even a Christian for a long time, but you've lived a lot of life, God expects that your ups and your downs are open, that your testimony is available to the next generation in the church. And so for every single person here that you have wisdom, what I wanna empower you is that God is asking you to share, to share, filled with grace and love. You don't judge because you've been there. You've been in that place. You know what it's like. You know what it's like to be, you know, married with little kids. You know what it's like to be there. So God, I just impart to our wisdom in the house that zeal to share, to open their home. I'm telling you what I want you to know, people in here that are getting in that wisdom age, if you open your house and your dinner table to young people, they will listen. This is a generation that has a ton of followers and likes on social media, but doesn't have very many mentors and spiritual fathers and mothers. And so I just empower you right now. Lord, may this be a house where young people can come in and they get spiritual fathers and mothers to have the wisdom to lead them in the right direction. In Jesus' name, amen. There is no retirement in the kingdom. Okay. It's a good one. Leslie, I also just felt for you. Just know this. What I saw is the story of Elijah and his servant. And that story, I forget where it is. One of our wisdom people probably know it by heart right now. But uh, it says that Elijah's servant woke up and he looked around. He said, "Uh uh-oh, we're surrounded right now. Because the enemy was going after the voice. Elijah was the intel. He was getting words from God and he was sharing it with the king. And the voice was going to be it. He said, I got to shut down the voice of God. I got to shut down the voice because the voice. And so he thought he could go after God's anointed. But when, and so the servant wakes up and says, we are doomed. We are surrounded. And then Elijah wakes up and he says, God, let him see that greater are those with us than that are against us. And what I just felt for you is that God is surrounding you right now. And the enemy might try to come up, but he's trying to attack the word of the Lord because the word of the Lord has been penetrating through your family. It's been penetrating deep in through your family. And so he's going after the word. Did God really say, is all this really true? He's going after the word, but know this, that God, despite whatever that is, whatever's going on, maybe it's work, I don't know, whatever the, the situation that feels like you're surrounded and it seems hopeless, know this, that beyond that, God is surrounding your home, surrounding you, surrounding Steve, surrounding the whole thing because he loves you. Don't let the enemy attack the word. The word of God is what you stand on. In Jesus' name, thank you for Leslie. Lord, I thank you for increase in their life. I thank you that their home, there is increase, there is increase. And I just declare that the enemy trying to stop that, we break it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. All right, y'all get a seat. We might, we might do some more of this. I'm going to, because a lot of our ministry team is at Cherish right now. I'm, we're going to open up the altar, and I'm going to pray for some people. But I want to go somewhere real quick in the, hey, you guys, love you. You're amazing. Andrikis, bro, sing, leading that song. What the heck? What the heck? I knew you could sing, but I didn't. There's, I can sing, and then there's whatever the heck just happened over there. You are a phenomenal, young man. Thank you. Thank you for that. 
Come on. All right, love you guys. You'll be back up here in 10 minutes. I'm going to go quick. Basically, just going to read a story to you and break down a few things. The title of my message, I'm not sure if they got it because I was on a plane flying back here to be with you guys, make sure I made it back on time, but is the Lazarus Leap. Oh, they did get it in time. That's amazing. The Lazarus Leap. Now, there's a story in John chapter 11. If you got your notepad, you can write John 11, 14 through 44. And I'm just going to work through this and pause as I go because there's a few things God's been highlighting to me that I want to highlight to us because I believe that the story of Lazarus, you see, everything in the Bible is pregnant with God's plans. And when you start to see, oh, wow, how Jesus did this is how he does it always. Because the Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so when you begin to understand that you're, you never were supposed to throw out your Old Testament or when the new covenant come, he pulled in all the, all the pictures. You see, when you read of Moses and you see that Moses frees a captive people, Israel, and brings them out of slavery into a promised land, that was meant to prophesy of the coming Messiah, that Jesus would come to people, his, God's children who he loves, but were separated from him because of sin, and we're actually slaves to our sin nature. And Jesus was, was, a, was Moses was a prophetic prototype, prototype, so you would see what Jesus was because there was prophetic prophesying to the coming Messiah. So many stories, David and Goliath. You read that story, and what God's trying to say is prophesy is that you have a Savior that can take down the giants in your world. You have a, does that make sense? So we, we, we use the whole scripture, and so when you read stories, what's amazing, you can read the same story every year if you're doing your one-year Bible, and every year I can read a story and get something different because I have another layer of understanding. Christian, if you haven't started reading your Bible because you're like, I, I've, I've read for like an hour and I didn't understand a thing. We all kind of started there. Don't worry. Keep reading. Keep reading till you get a thing. Write it down. Let the Holy Spirit dissect it to you. Watch what happens. The thing will build on another thing, will build on another thing. One of the biggest tragedies right now in the American church or in church in general is that people think being a Christian is letting a pastor put the word of God in you, and so you're only getting fed once a week. You might be able to live like that, but you're not going to be strong like that. Come on. I, don't, I mean, I've seen some crazy fitness regimens, but I've never met the once a week eater diet yet. And, and I don't think I want to know that person. That would be a hard life. But it, spiritually, we can do that sometimes. We're like, well, I go to church, so I got this little meal to feed my soul. And then we go the whole week and we starve ourselves. And we're wondering, like, why can't I hear God? Well, maybe you ever notice that? You ever, anyone ever go into the grocery store hungry? Everyone, you know what I'm talking about? Ever go to Costco hungry? You lose a whole mortgage there. You're like, what have I done? Because everything <laughs> looks good, right? You don't want to go around life spiritually hungry because something might look spiritual, but it's not actually what you need. And next thing you know, but because you're starved, you're, uh, you're starved for the love that you're supposed to be getting from God. But so-and-so is looking kind of cute. And, you know, I know they don't go to church, but, you know, you know anyways, you get my point. Let's, uh, let's not go. Lazarus. Let's go to Lazarus. I had nothing to do with it. I just, somebody needed that. Read your Bible. Okay, John eleven fourteen. So he told them plainly, plainly, Lazarus is dead. Well, it's a great start to the story, right? Okay, let me explain. Jesus has a friend named Lazarus, 
and uh, somebody comes to Jesus and says, hey, your friend Lazarus is dead. And he goes, okay, cool. I'm going to tell him I'm on my way. And then Jesus, for no reason, we don't know why, he just delays for a couple days. He doesn't head out. And the disciples are confused. They're thinking it's because the last time they were there, just like a week ago, everyone got really mad because he was going after the religious people, and they tried to kill Jesus. So they're thinking maybe Jesus is letting things calm down over there. That's not what he was doing. Uh, he says that pretty clear. But so I'll give you some context. Jesus' friend in Judea is very sick as far as they know. Jesus delays. But then he says, hey, we're going to go there. And he says this, we're going to go now to Lazarus because he's sleeping. The disciples, I'm setting you up right before we start this chapter here, or start this verse. They say, well, if he's sleeping, he's probably getting better. Shouldn't we let him sleep, God? And he says, no, what I meant by that is he's dead. And so that's right where we pick up. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, we will, you, for, for now you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. Then Thomas, doubting Thomas, good old Thomas. He gets a bad rap, by the way. The only times he's mentioned is when he, like, doubted Jesus. But Thomas, nicknamed the twin. That's tough, too, man. Like, he doesn't even get, he's, like, nicknamed the twin. The other one of those two. Said to his, the fellow disciples, let's go to and die with Jesus. I'm going to pause right there. One verse I got to download. Okay, so there's two responses to a delay. As I said before, right before this, Jesus was told a couple days before that Lazarus needed help, but he delayed. And then he, all of a sudden he goes, hey, I'm going to go now. And, it, it, like, he literally says, he's dead, now seems like the right time to go help him. And the disciples are looking like, your timing is not great, Jesus. And I want to I hit that for a minute. It's often... God will sometimes delay what we know he wants to do in our life. But there's two ways you can look at the delay. There's the Jesus way. I'm glad that this happened because now you're going to believe me. So there's that, there's that posture or there's the posture of Thomas. Well, guess we're all doomed. We're going to die. Let's go ahead and go. And I want to ask you, Christian, first thing here, which one is your response when God delays on the answer you expected? And just honestly ask yourself, are you, the, are you like Jesus? You're like, I don't know why you're delaying, but if you're delaying, it must be because you're setting up something bigger, God. Let's go. I know, I know you're going to show up. Or like most of us, because we tend to have a leaning towards negativity, we have to train our mind, renew our mind, the Bible says, to be faith. Do we go like Thomas? <laughs> he didn't answer. Probably going to die. Do you go to the negative or do you go to the faith? Do you go to fear or faith? Can I tell you, it's the same muscle. It's just which way are you using it? Because, well, they're a little different. Let me explain. So fear is believing something that hasn't happened is going to happen. Now, faith is believing something that hasn't happened yet is going to happen. See the difference? So fear is believing something that hasn't happened is going to happen. And faith is believing something that hasn't happened is going to happen. It's the same. It's the same. It's just which way do you lean? Do you lean toward, I believe that God loves me, and because he loves me, he's going to show up. And even though he didn't show up today, like I thought he was, this Mary and Martha, they're like, we told you he's dying, and you delayed. But God was setting up a much bigger story and a much bigger purpose. Which one do you lean on? Okay, that's a freebie right there. Jesus, it's all for your good. 
Thomas, this is my, the message version, we're screwed, okay? And so when God delays, which one do you lean towards? You want to train your mind to trust that he's in the delay. And what do you do when God's delaying? Can I tell you that God doesn't expect you just to sit on the couch and cry until he shows up? In fact, when he delays, there's actually a default place you want to go to. Psalms 139, 23, and 24 tells you exactly what you should be doing when God's delaying. You ready for this? Psalms 139, 23 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. When God's delaying in your active prayer life, it's, you know, you can have a minute of pity party. God's not afraid. You can tell him, God, I'm pretty disappointed. I really thought this was going to happen right now. But you don't want to camp there. You want to get yourself in faith. And then what do you do? So, okay, God, while I'm in the wait... Where, where, where can I be more congruent with you? Where can I walk more with you? What area of my life can I, can I lay down more to you? Do I need to forgive anybody? Do I need to let go of some bitterness that maybe has built up in this delay? You want to keep your heart ready for when God shows up. Because if your heart's ready, then God will show up. I promise you. I promise you. So don't just sit around when God's delaying. Don't be actively lazy. Be actively getting your heart in the right place. Amen? Amen. So that's what you do. So you don't have to just sit around and wait for God to show up. When you're waiting on his answer, be active and search me, oh God. Let me grow right now in this moment. Okay, picking back up, verse 17 of the Lazarus story. Then Jesus arrived at Bethany, told Lazarus, and he was told, I'm gonna read on the big screen. Right at Bethany, and he was told that Lazarus had already been in the grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem. They're making a point. This is on Jesus. He delayed. And many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary. These are her Lazarus sisters in their loss. Then Martha got word that Jesus was coming, and she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Now she responds like a lot of people, a lot of Christians do, says, yeah, 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 I know. He'll rise with everyone else rises in the last days. She's thinking he's talking heaven, but he says this. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Listen, I want to stop on I am the resurrection. Whenever Jesus gets involved in a situation, resurrection power begins to flow to that situation. Whatever area of your life you let him in, you let him into your career that seems dead. You let him into a situation that seems hopeless. Wherever he shows up, he brings resurrection. And he said, when you pray, pray my kingdom come, my will be done on earth as in heaven. We're not just talking about eternal glory, although that's awesome that we get that. We get to be with Jesus forever. We are also talking about when Jesus, now in our current state, is invited to a situation, he is the resurrection. Let me give you an example of this. I just got back from San Diego, and I took my boys to the beach. They're five and six. And they got pretty brave over time. You know, first they run up to the water, touch their screen, and they scream and run away to do what kids do. You run out, the wave comes, you run out, run back, right? And they're doing that. But they kept getting braver and braver, and now the waves are getting a little bigger. They're getting out there where the waves are coming. 
And, uh, you know, a, a good size wave. Now, by the way, I'm in the water with them because I, I know they're five and six and I don't want them to drown. So I'm not being a negligent parent. But all of a sudden, a big wave comes. And I, any good dad, I didn't just grab my son. I was going to see how he handled the wave. And if it did, in fact, take him under, then I would help him, right? My wife disagrees, but I think that's great dadding right there. He's got to learn one way or the other. And so this wave, they turned to run, but the, the pull of the wave, because the wave is big, was sucking him in. So sure enough, he's, getting, he's trying to run, but he's going backwards. He looks, and sh- the wave just goes right over him. Of course, like good dad, reached down in that water and plucked up a kid. And, you know, he cried a little bit, but he figured it out. That wave was the right size that he shouldn't be in. Learned a valuable lesson. And then I took him back out in the water again so he wouldn't have fear. But here's the point. The point of this is that you can't get in a wave in the ocean without getting wet. They, 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 don't, they don't go apart. My son's head was dry before he got in that wave, but once that wave hit him, there was no stopping it. He was drenched from head to toe. The same is true with Jesus. You can't have Jesus without resurrection power. You can't let him into a situation and not, you can't get in a wave without getting wet. You can't invite Jesus into a situation without, without his power being there. So if you're not seeing the power in the area, I want to encourage you, have you invited Jesus into it Really? Because a lot of us, we do kind of the halfway invite, like, Jesus, um, please help me, but don't talk to me about it. Please help me, but don't tell me to change anything on this situation, right? But once you let him in, once you humble yourself and say, God, I don't know how to fix my marriage. I don't know how to fix uh, my family. I don't know how to raise these children to not be barbarians that'll someday try to take over the world. I don't know what to do, Lord, but I need your help. I need you in this situation. When you invite him in like that, you can't help but get the resurrection power in the situation. So my encouragement to you is let him in and recognize that he comes with the power. You don't have to ask him for the power. You just need to ask him to be in the situation and then trust that the power is going to be there for you. Amen? Amen. That's good. The church is meant to be a place of resurrection power. Can I just tell you that? Every Wednesday... Every Sunday, we as the church get the opportunity to throw off whatever hinders us and step into worship, step into that rightful place where we step in and say, God, we invite you into this room. We invite you into each one of us. We invite you into our life. And what happens is that because he's in you, that resurrection power is going around you. It's going through you. You're meant to be the resurrection power at your work. You're meant to be the resurrection power in your relationships. You're meant to be the resurrection power at the barbecue on Friday night. You are meant to carry that power in your business. You carry that authority and power because he is the resurrection. All right, we're going to keep going on this story. We're almost done here. So verse 27. Yes, Lord, she told him, I've always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and he wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep, so they all followed her. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Keep going, guys. 
when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. I want to pause here for a minute. Jesus knew how this story was going to go, but yet it says he was angered and he cried. Why? I just need you to know this. This is, goes back to my original statement that Jesus never changed the subject about just because you got saved doesn't mean, oh, well, you're, you're in the family now. We don't care about you. We neglect you. We, we're going to go after the one who doesn't know Jesus. Yes, of course he wants to go after the one, but he doesn't neglect the 99. When you come into the family, he still cares about your life here on earth. He still cares that for four days, Mary and Martha had to mourn and thought they'd lost their brother and, and went through the pain of loss. Why? Because God never intended mankind to deal with the pain of death. Death was not original intent. That's why our home is going to be heaven and we're not going to have to deal with that. It makes Jesus angry even though he knows the ending's good. What does that tell me? What should that tell you is that he cares about you. If you're going through something right now and you think God's like, well, I have a bigger plan, so I don't really care how you feel right now. No, 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 no. He does care about the trauma if God asks you to forgive someone, somebody needs to hear this. If God says, I need you to forgive your dad. I need you to forgive your spouse. I need to forgive your ex. And you, and you think he's asking you because he doesn't care about you? This story right here, the easiest verse in the Bible to memorize. John eleven thirty five. 35, Jesus wept. There you go, you learned a Bible verse. Get the gold star at Sunday school. What's the point? He's not asking you because he's heartless. He's actually asking you because he cares deeply. He cares deeply about you. He cares about the trauma you went through. He cares about the thing that happened to you. He cares about the dark moment you're in. It breaks his heart to see you hurt because any good parent, I don't like seeing my boys get hurt. Maybe a little wave on their head, but I'm just trying to teach them a lesson. I'm trying to let them grow, but I still didn't like it that he got scared. I picked him up, I held him. I said, buddy, daddy's right here. You never have to be afraid when daddy's here. Even when it looks like you're underwater, you never have to be afraid. This is a true story. I was holding him because he got scared. So I want him to know, yeah, it was scary, but I was right here the whole time. Why? Because I want him one day to know what heavenly father's like. I just want to say that to somebody here. God cares about your now, but he's also trying to get you to your future. So don't mistake his big plan for not caring about you in the moment. Amen? Amen. All right, we're going to finish this story, and then we're going to pray for people. And the people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. But some said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Then Jesus says, roll the stone aside. Jesus told them, but Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he's been in there for four days and this is the Middle East and we don't have air conditioning. It's not gonna be good. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you you would see God's glory if you believe? Church, can I just tell you that church was always meant to be a place where we rolled away people's stones? And what that means is sometimes it gets messy. 
We're not a church that is, is afraid of your mess. Can I tell you that when it's done right, we've all had our mess cleaned up by Jesus. We've all had some stones rolled away and what was in there, we're like, eh, it's gonna not be good, Jesus. You're not gonna like what this is gonna smell like, what this is gonna look like. But we've all gone through that and Jesus said, roll away the stone so I can speak life into this situation. If you came into church, we don't expect you to be perfect the day you walked in the door. In fact, we expect the opposite. Jesus doesn't clean his fish before he catches them. He loves you. He wants you right now. And you say, well, I got some skeletons in the closet. I got some skeletons in the tomb. Good, I'm gonna give you a church and some people who have also been there who can roll away the stone so I can speak life into the situation. And after a while, and you let Jesus roll and people in the church, good connect leaders, good leaders, roll away the stones in your life. Pretty soon you're gonna be like, you know what? I wanna do that for other people. I want to be the person who, you know, I got this friend, they're going through it. They're going through a tough time. They're going through a dark season. And I want to be the friend that rolls away the stone while I can't go to church. I'm too, it's too hard right now. It's too busy. Everything's too big of a mess. No, I'm going to be the church. That's good. I'm going to be the friend that kicks in the door and says, let's go. You're going to church with me. I'm moving this stone so the word of God can get into that cave. I want to be a church like that. And if you think like that, God will make a way. I want to tell you one quick story, and then we're going to pray for people. When I went to San Diego, there was one guy, one guy that I couldn't stop thinking about. He, he worked in my company, and I love this guy. He's a great dude, but I knew he took some hits, and I've been here in Salt Lake for now two and a half years. He used to pick me up from the airport all the time. I knew he'd taken some hits. I knew he wasn't going to church. And I had a very short window, and I was there with my family. But I just remember saying, God... Like, help me find a way to connect with him. So I go to dinner Sunday night with our pastor, Pastor Jurgen, who, by the way, is a wild man. I just want you to know, he is still young at heart. We get done with dinner, he goes to all the guys at the table, he says, let's all go see Equalizer 3 tonight. We saw a 10.30 movie showing. I haven't done that since I was in high school. I was like, who am I right now? With the time change, it was 11.30. So we get in the movie theater. One of the campus pastors, every five minutes, would fall asleep. And then when the shooting would happen, he'd be like, yeah, go Denzel. And then he'd fall asleep. I won't say names, but Pastor Samuel Duth, that happened too. But um, if you hear this on podcast, I love you, bro. But as we go to this movie theater at 10.30 at night, and I was even second-guessing myself. I'm like, why am I here? Well, I like my pastor, and I like Denzel, so let's do it. As I walk in the movie theater, I hear Matt Tuggle, and I look over. It's that one guy. He's now the manager at the movie theater that I randomly go to in San Diego. And I just, I grab him, I say, bro. And I got there early too because dinner got done before the movie showing. So I'm there, I said, sit down. And we just talked. I just say a little love on him and tell him, man, I miss you. You know, you're a great guy. You're a great dad. And by the end of that, I could see the light coming back in his eyes. He asked me to officiate his wedding. Like he's getting married in two months. I was like, God, only you. He was the one person that I knew I didn't have time to connect with, but I wanted to see and God set me up. What am I trying to say? When you get in your head that I want to roll away stones for people, what are stones? They're whatever's blocking Jesus from getting to the situation. If you'll be a stone mover, notice Jesus didn't move the stone. He asked the people to move the stone. That's our job. That's mine and your job. Who's that friend? Who's that person who you're thinking about 
And how can we just say, you know what, Jesus, I'm gonna try to move the stone a little. I'm gonna push this out of the way. I'm gonna tell them, hey, you should come to me to this thing on Wednesday night. What's the thing? Oh, you'll love it. There's live music. Really? Oh, well, okay. Where is it at? It's at an event center. Oh, okay. Sounds good. They show up. They're like, bruh, this is a church. I didn't lie. I told you there'd be live music. I told you it was at an event center. Too easy. All right. Whatever it takes, be the stone roller. So Jesus says, get the stone out of the way. Get that stone out of here. Then he says, you always hear me, he's talking to God, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Two more verses. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. Listen to this though. His hands and his feet bound in the grave clothes. His face wrapped in in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Jesus does miracles. He's the one that brings the resurrection life. But, But where I wanted to land the plane today is church. Although Lazarus was alive, when he first came out of there, he was still wearing the grave clothes. He looked like, it's fitting for an October message, he looked like a mummy, okay? He looked like he was going trick-or-treating. Says that his feet were still bound. Listen, when you get Jesus in your life, he'll change you on the inside. He'll bring life into the inside. He'll forgive you and wash you clean of your sins. But you know what? You gotta go back to the same job, the same group of friends, the same circumstance, the same marriage, the same situation that you were in the day before. And what begins to happen is that you'll realize, wait a minute, I'm not dead anymore, but I'm still wearing this stuff. I still kind of, uh, I still kind of smell like the dead guy. I still kind of am acting like the dead guy. But what God intends is for you to begin to allow him and the other people in your world to take those cloths off. You know what breaks my heart when I find out someone in church is suffering alone? Or suffering, this one breaks my heart. I've heard people say this. They're they're with their church friends when they're good, but when they're struggling, they go to their non-church friends because they won't judge me. They're doing worse things than me. I'm like, what the heck is that? You're gonna go to the other people in the grave clothes and say, how does this this mummy outfit look to you? (laughs) No, no, no. You wanna go to somebody who is a little, you're like, "Ah, I don't see the same grave clothes on as me. You'll find that if they really love Jesus, they'll be like, oh, I remember what it was like to wear that stuff. Come here, let me help you. I'm not here to judge you. I make it a joke, but I'm dead serious. The people on our ministry team, it's like a requirement for me that I know they have a messed up past because I don't want no judgment up here. I want like the people that have walked with Jesus and go, nothing shocks me because I was there once and we're here for you. Don't be ashamed. Could you imagine if Lazarus came out and he was like trying to hide? He's like, I wasn't dead. No, no, I was never dead. It's a joke. (laughs) So many people come to church like that. You're afraid to say, man, before I knew Jesus, I was jacked up. I was, I was, I was dead, but I'm not now, but I'm still wearing the clothes. Is that cool? Yeah, it's cool. Let us help you take them off. And if you're not new to church, can I just tell you this? Never get to a place where you're in, like offended by grave clothes. 
Can we just not be the church that ever does that? Can we please not be that church? Let's not be the church that lies and be like, no, you look great. That's perfect. No, we'll tell them the truth. Like, yeah, no, that stinks. But you know what? I stunk too. Because I was dead once and now I'm alive. Come on. And if you feel dead in this room, know this. Jesus does not judge you. He just wants, right now, you're here. That tells me somebody rolled away the stone for you. And now he's saying, come out. I got life for you. Give your life to me. And you say, well, what if I do? I don't know what to do. That's fine. Just get that life in you and we'll help you wrap off the grave clothes. Come on, close your eyes real quick. I'm gonna pray. If you're in this room and you don't know Jesus, in a small, intimate little service, If you're in this room and you don't know Jesus, Lazarus is you. Lazarus is me. I'm the one that needed the stone rolled away. I'm the one that was dead in my sins, dead in my my own rebellion. And then Jesus rolled away the stone. He said, Matt, come out. I'm going to put life in you. And then I'm going to take off these grave clothes and I'm going to show you how I intended you to live. I'm going to put you in your purpose and your plan and your destiny. Your plan, my plan for you was not to be in that cave. My plan for you is to give you life. And friend, can I tell you that that's how he sees you? He's not here to judge you. He's here to pull you out of that grave and give you a new life. I feel like that's for somebody today. So if that's you, everyone's head bowed and eyes closed. I just want to know, I'm going to, I'm going to pray. I'm not going to have you single you out or anything. But if that's you and you just need to say, you know what, I need to get right with Jesus. Maybe you feel really far from God and you just want to say, God, I want to be back in your kingdom. I want to be back. I want to belong to you. Or maybe you've never done this. But I'm telling you right now, God who created the universe sent his only son down, put on flesh and died for you so that you didn't have to earn his grace, love, and forgiveness. It could be a free gift. The stones rolled away. He just calls your name and you say, okay, that's me. So if that's you, you need to get your life right with Jesus. Accept the free gift of his love and salvation. He died on that cross for you. He took your grave clothes. He took your price. I want to just give you opportunity to respond. Heads down, eyes closed. If that's you, just real quick, you can put your hand in the air. Once I've seen it, you can put it down. But one, two, three, come on. If that's you and you need Jesus in your life, put your hand in the air real quick. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I see your hand. Once I've seen your hand, you can put it down. Is there anyone else? Amen. Amen. Okay, if you put your hand up or you should have put your hand up, At the end of service, I'm going to step down here and I just want to pray with you individually. I'll be praying with other people too, so don't worry like, oh, they'll know it was me. No, just come be one of the people that comes up and talks to me over here and I want to pray with you. Now, I want to pray for another group of people. Jesus said, I am the resurrection. And I felt specifically as we closed down the service, there are people in here where you need God's power and resurrection power, meaning this thing seems like it's dying. I cannot see a way out. I cannot see a way forward. I cannot see how God can fix this, how I can fix this. 
I believe God wants to show you that he is the resurrection power and his delay is not because he doesn't care about you. His delay is because he has something great for you. And so I wanna pray for anyone that feels like they're in that situation. I don't know, it could be anything. It could be family finance. It could be whatever. But if you're in that situation and you need God to show up with his resurrection power, I just want you to stand up and I'm gonna pray for you right now. If that's you and you need God to show up in a situation, thank you for standing up. Only one person needs God's power. Show up a couple people. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, man, I'd be searching myself. Where's an area, God? Come on. Thank you, Lord. Come on, thank you, God. Lord, you see these people standing up right now. I thank you for the courage to say, see, it's when Jesus is in the situation that the resurrection is power there. By standing up, what you're saying is, I don't care what people think, I need God to show up in this situation. So right now, in the name of Jesus, we declare resurrection power, stepping into that situation. What seems dead comes to life. What seems impossible is possible with the Lord. Lord, we declare your goodness and your favor over your children, Lord. We declare that you are stepping in. I declare miracles that blow their mind. What Jesus said, I, I delayed because I wanted you to believe. Right now, I declare that they will have God stories where they say, God, I have to believe that your power is real. I have to believe because I could not have done this in my own strength. God, I thank you for your power showing up for your kids. In Jesus' name, and the church said, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.